millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to 31 Days of Terror 2023, day number 24. And I have one story for you today and that story comes from Sam. I have a couple of stories to tell, both related to my workplaces. Because when it comes to places of work being haunted, I do seem to be able to pick them. The first story is from when I was a teenager, working at a dairy farm in Cornwall. This dairy farm made cheese and employed a lot of local young people as it was also somewhat of a tourist attraction, with a small restaurant and a tour of the facility for people to learn about the process of making their signature cheeses. Both my brother and I worked there through our teenage years, as we lived nearby, and it was an ideal place to earn some cash the weekend. It was a decent place to work generally, and on quality control, you were sometimes allowed to eat cheese and get paid for it, which I think most people will agree is a bonus. The only downside really was that the site, or parts of it at least, were downright terrifying. I should probably mention that this farm was so close to our home that the woods directly behind our house belonged to the farm property. As a kid I was petrified of that woodland. It had a dark vibe. There was a spectacularly gnarled old tree that gave me the creeps to the extent that I could hardly look at it. It genuinely had a face and twisted arms with huge oversized knuckles and too many long bony fingers. I once had a dream that I was running home along the footpath through those woods and it was getting dark and that tree opened red glowing jack-o'-lantern eyes as I passed it on the trail. So I was scared of the place already. After dark I was loath to go into our garden or our garage because of that same vibe. The house had its moments too footfalls on the stairs and such, but was nowhere near as creepy as the land around it. Another dream I had was that the fruit trees my mum had planted on the hill just on our side of the woods had long roots that travelled down through the earth and into the ribcage of a skeleton, and then as I watched the skeleton turn its head in its grave, clawed its way up out of the earth and came to pound on the back door of the house. In my dream, all the fruit produced in that orchard was poisoned by the land. So, I was a weird kid with an imagination. But by the time I was working at the dairy, I was a teen and not as readily creeped out. Yet the dairy had the woodland vibe by 1000. I would go in early, maybe 6.30 or 7am to open up and start machines, or go in on my own on weekends to do some essential tasks. The place was always spooky with the sensation of being watched and a sense of foreboding that escalated to outright dread in some parts of the facility. In the modern parts, you'd feel like someone was watching you and turned to see just a flit of something moving behind the clear hygiene barriers at the door. 
or sometimes hear a shuffle behind you in an empty room. In the old barn building, however, which housed the restaurant and the cheese storeroom, things were much stronger. The cheese store was a damp, bare stone room with racks of shelves occupied by wheel cheeses at varying levels of maturation, from the floor to head height. And one of the jobs we needed to do was to turn each cheese regularly on a wooden board so that it would age evenly. When we were between those shelves, we would constantly see flitting shadows moving in the adjacent aisle or hear rustling movements or whispers. In that dim room to preserve my sanity, I used to have to say over and over in my mind, I'm just here to turn the cheeses, I'll be gone in a few minutes and leave you be, please leave me alone. There was a constant sense of threat in that building and writing about it now makes me realise how genuinely terrified I was when I was alone there. It was that terror that feels like the emotional equivalent of touching something exceedingly white hot. So much that it fools your brain and feels cold instead. The worst thing that ever happened to me there was on a summer morning when I went in early to do weekend duties, bring cheese down to the cheese store and turn the cheeses. It was already light and sunny and I'd been up in the new building bringing cheese down to the store. I went through into the old barn, not feeling particularly creeped out. And after putting my lab coat on and washing my hands, I went through the prep area into the cheese store to do the turning. The prep area was where we boxed the cheeses up. It had shiny metal worktops that we used to wrap and box cheeses. There was no one else on site and I hadn't lingered in this room at all. I went through and turned the cheeses straight away to get the job out of the way as quickly as possible. Once I had done the turning, my next job was to bring a fresh batch of newly made cheese into the store and place them on their boards. So I went back through to the prep area for the first time since entering the barn to get my materials. What I saw in that room makes my blood run cold, even now, maybe 25 years later. On the metal prep bench in front of me were two large, wet, adult handprints, deliberately placed, as if someone had made them by standing facing the bench and putting their hands down, fingers splayed as widely as possible. I categorically did not make those prints, and as I watched in horror, they dried or evaporated in front of me in around 20 seconds. Even if another person had been there unexpectedly and tried to prank me, there is no way they could have left the barn unseen in the time it took those prints to evaporate. They were made immediately before I entered the prep room. To this day, I cannot explain what I saw there, but my brother, who doesn't believe in the paranormal at all, left that place due to being too scared to work there anymore. And I honestly don't know how I ever went there alone, especially after that incident. My second story comes from much later. I moved to Scotland and after I finished studying, I got my job at a science lab in a town near Edinburgh. The lab is situated on an industrial estate, so after hours it's very quiet and naturally quite creepy. However, I don't remember any spooky stories being shared about the building until we took over the unit next door and doubled our company's floor space overnight. Soon after the building expansion, creepy things began to happen. My department sometimes needed to work after hours or at the weekends, typically alone, and this was where it started. A number of people working out of hours reported hearing doors opening and closing, 
and the motion-activated lights would go on and off. The building is quite friendly and buzzing, but when you're alone it takes on a sense of foreboding, especially after dark. Things remained like that for a while, just the occasional creepy feelings and definite sounds of doors opening and then shutting elsewhere in the building. Eventually, further parts of the new building were developed, and new labs and meeting rooms were built. After this, things escalated even more. The feeling of foreboding intensified in the parts of the building that had most recently been developed, out by the garage. A member of staff working in this area witnessed the chain on the roller shutter door slip off its hook and then violently swing out into the room. The chain continued to swing as if being pulled by a person and the staff member left the area pretty quickly. On a separate occasion, they heard knocking on the shutter door and thought it was just a delivery driver, but there was no one there. As soon as they started to walk away from the peephole after seeing no one, the loud knocking started again. Another staff member who works down that end of the building reported hearing footsteps in the main hallway several times. Once I was locking up in the evening and as I entered the same hallway I heard heavy footsteps that sounded like a person wearing boots and this was accompanied by the sound of jangling keys and faint whistling. These noises were clearly audible but sounded uncanny as if they were echoes from somewhere distant. Echoes through time perhaps or from another plane. It's hard to explain, but I've never heard anything with this bizarre quality before. Suffice to say, I locked up in record time that evening. One night I had to stay overnight to monitor some testing. Due to the creepy atmosphere, I was apprehensive and tried to stay in the office area at the opposite end of the building to the super spooky bit whenever I could. Just after midnight, I was processing some data on my computer when a phone started to ring. It was quite loud and a retro ring like you'd get from an old-fashioned landline phone, perhaps even one with a rotary dialer. This was not the ringer of any of the office phones, and so I assumed that a colleague had left a cell phone on their desk somewhere. I got up and walked around the office, but was confused because no matter where I went, the sound didn't seem to change in volume. The ringing stopped, and I went back to my work. Shortly after, it started again. I realised that it had the same echoing, faraway quality as the whistling I'd heard before. I entered a meeting room and realised to my horror that the ringing was coming from directly above it, on the storage mezzanine. There's nothing up there but old paper archive boxes, no offices and certainly no phones. There was no way I was going up there in a million years. The phone rang one more time before I left at about 2am and I just sat at my computer and studiously ignored it. There is one room in the garage where the fire sensor has repeatedly malfunctioned, leading to the security company and on-call staff being called out at night. There was never a fire, and no fault could be found with the sensor. A little while later, the boiler in that area broke down, and our engineering team went up on top of that garage room to investigate. What they found up there was insanely creepy. It was an effigy. It's a man about two feet high, made from wood and bits of rubber and pipe fittings. It has a beard and hair made from what looks like real, curly, grey human hair. It has one eye much larger than the other and a gaping mouth made of rubber. His face is scribbled all over with black marker pen in random scratchy lines. He's really unnerving, 
but the engineering team were amused by their find and put him up on the wall in their workshop. Some of the staff wanted to name him, which was a hell no from me. Since he was unearthed, the sensor in the room he was found above has never malfunctioned again. The footsteps and doors opening and closing continue though, and there have been three reports of full-body apparitions in the area of the building where the footsteps were heard since he was found. These have all been a very tall, dark shape flitting past windows in the offices. Not much is known about the history of the building we took over. It was another business before us, but there are no records easily found online. A couple of other colleagues are interested in the paranormal too and we did a bit of research. Way back before the industrial estate was built, the creepy part of our building was just a field beside a farmhouse. However, very near to our location there are historic oil shale works. People working in these places would have lived in and passed through the area where our building now stands, as it was the main industry in the area. We even have a local oil industry museum just around the corner. My colleague and I were looking at some old maps and pondering this and if or how it could connect to our haunting. Suddenly my colleague looked up and said, Oh my god, it makes sense now. And I said, what? Not seeing what she was getting at. And she said, the effigy. That's why his face is coloured in all black like that. It's dirt from the oil shale mines. Sam, I'm going to say, I think, like you, I would put up with the hauntingness to work in a cheese factory and sometimes be allowed to eat the cheese. My love of cheese knows no bounds and is probably the only reason that I'm not vegan is my deep, intense love of cheese. And I think if we've learned anything on this podcast, it's that sometimes areas of land just seem to be incredibly haunted. Like I always wonder with stories like Hale Fanog, the um, Welsh witch farm, stories like that, like areas of land are just sometimes full of crazy energy and I think Cornwall is one of those places that is probably full of magical energy like the Bodmin Moor out there loads of weird shit happening on there and maybe in a way those scary dreams that you had you know about the tree coming to life and about the um, fruit trees being buried and the roots going down into a skeleton etc maybe that was your body's way of recognizing that the land is sacred or magical or that the land had some sort of energy who knows maybe that was like your your subconscious mind telling you that you knew that the land had some sort of crazy energy and those handprints on the table that is absolutely petrifying and it reminds me of the bit in sixth sense where Cole is in the kitchen and his mom leaves the kitchen for like 20 seconds and she comes back in and Cole is still sitting in the same place with his hands on the table and all of the cupboards and presses are all wide open. And when he goes to leave, he's left two little sweaty handprints because obviously he's been so terrified, which is not the same thing because, you know, Cole is very much alive, despite the fact that he can see dead people. But it evoked the same sense of fear in me as that scene did in the film. I also think that 99% of the time, and I know you said, you know, it might have been somebody just trying to prank me, but there's just no way that they could have done it. I always think that if somebody pranks somebody and pulls it off, 9.9 times out of 10, they are going to spill the beans because they're proud of their pranking achievements. 
And I know it's often the simplest and most logical explanation that another human being pranked you, but sometimes it actually just doesn't explain it. And I think this feels like one of those instances where it just doesn't explain it. And in regards to your second place of work, I'm going to sound really stupid when I say this, but I just never imagined scientists working in a lab having to work overnight shifts. But of course you would if you're testing something or if you're checking for reactions in something. Of course you're going to need data that's overnight. Obviously, I feel like that part of the story blew my mind more than anything else. There's a lot of people that say that building works can conjure up paranormal energy, can disturb paranormal entities or create a new energy and therefore hauntings can start after construction work has taken place. So maybe both buildings were quiet until construction work happened and then all of a sudden there's people using this other building and there's construction work happening and there's energy going through the building in a different way and maybe that conjures things up. And it sounds like a lot of residual energy like echoes through time. Especially with hearing like an old timey phone ringing out and you can't find where it's coming from and the sound has that echoey tinny kind of far away quality while also being loud. It gives me the heebie jeebies. And as for that effigy, of all places that this story was going to go, I did not think we were going to go to finding a two foot effigy in the ceiling. Like who made that? That took time. That took time and effort. And a bit of thought and ingenuity to create an effigy of that size. Like, was it some sort of offering? Was it some sort of representation of what maybe somebody previously thought was haunting the building? Because I know that you said about the mines and how the black marks on the face of the effigy maybe represented the dirt from the old shale mines. And we know that people who worked down mines, the conditions were not always good and lots of people died. Either way, second location, I don't envy you, considerably less cheese, considerably more ghostly goings on and that's not the quantities that we want. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Sam for sending in their stories. If you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can also check out the website at reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra spooky content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you tomorrow. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.